control regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking about what's going on in Hartford, Connecticut, where a, a group of community activists are hoping to have armed patrols on these streets of Hartford in the not-too-distant future. Before we get to that, however, let's talk about this real quick. Biden's America, it's crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Hell, just look at the price of lunch me next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today... Qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. So, you know, in Connecticut, um, Governor Ned Lamont, as well as the uh, mayors of some of the uh, state's biggest cities, Hartford, uh, Bridgeport, New Haven, uh, have all gone after law-abiding gun owners in recent months. Uh, Governor Lamont signing a, a package of new gun control measures aimed almost exclusively at lawful gun owners. Um, meanwhile, violent crime still stubbornly high in uh, Connecticut's capital city of Hartford, which is why a group of community activists is hoping to have armed patrols. There have been uh, 28 homicides in Hartford this year, and Cornell Lewis, a, a gun owner and community activist, says that uh, legal gun owners should band together to defend their neighborhoods. He says, we know what to do with our guns, when to do it, and we know how to defuse situations. The thing we're not going to allow is people to oppress the community. A few years ago, Lewis started a group called the Self-Defense Brigade. Uh, and over the past three years, they've acted as security at Black Lives Matter protests, at funerals, other community events. But now, uh, Lewis again wants to take the show onto the road, uh, literally, and the, uh, the streets of Hartford. As you can imagine, <laughs> the uh, anti-gunners in Hartford... Not happy about this at all. Jeremy Stein, who is the executive director of Connecticut Against Gun Violence, said he understands that people want immediate solutions to violent crime, but he believes an armed guard is not the safest option. He says, quote, adding more guns to our communities will not do a thing to end gun violence. It's actually quite the opposite, he says. It's going to create a powder keg of gun violence. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, given that this group has been around for three years, uh, and has apparently provided security at you know all kinds of events without issue. Is Stein really suggesting that the uh, activists who would be a part of this armed patrol are going to start blasting away at anybody they see on the city streets? Does he not trust these individuals? Again, lawful gun owners, all of them? Well, of course he doesn't. He doesn't trust anybody with a gun, whether it's a, a violent predator or whether it's a law-abiding citizen. Right. Stein gives up the game here. More guns, he says, leads to more problems. Well, one of the problems with that is that while Connecticut has, again, increasingly made it more difficult for you and I and others to lawfully exercise their right to keep and bear arms. Doesn't seem to have any impact on violent criminals whatsoever. Uh, the uh, mayor of Hartford, Luke Bronin, weighed in as well, uh, talking to a news aide in Hartford. He says, I understand the frustration and anger. 
because I share that frustration and anger, and I feel the burden of responsibility personally and heavily, as do our police and everyone who does this work. Our first priority right now is to get the people responsible for the most recent shootings off of our streets, and we're working with law enforcement partners at every level, from the FBI, ATF, and DEA, to state police and regional partners. We've seen a series of very different acts of violence in the past few weeks, some of which are intensely personal disputes, some of which appear to be spontaneous disputes that escalate quickly into gunfire, and some of which involve a specific group of very reckless and dangerous individuals that we are working hard with law enforcement at every level to apprehend. Uh, I don't know about you, if I lived in Hartford, that wouldn't make me feel any better. It's very Clintonian, isn't it? I feel your pain. I feel it right here. But the problem is that he's not offering any solutions. Actually, what he's saying is, yes, you're right to be angry. Yes, you're right to be concerned. But leave your personal safety to the professionals. Now, no offense to the men and women who are patrolling the streets of Hartford, but I imagine even most rank-and-file officers would tell you, listen, we're largely reactive. We try to prevent crimes before they occur, but most of the time we're rolling up on the scene after a crime has been committed. And you have every right to protect yourself. The question then becomes, do you have the right to protect the community? Well, as far as I can tell, there's nothing in Connecticut law that would prevent a uh, group of armed citizens patrolling the streets of Hartford, although I imagine the city could make it very difficult for them. Uh, one of the provisions that uh, is in Governor Lamont's latest round of gun controls. Uh, again, a demand that uh, you would have to produce your permit to carry uh, if any law enforcement officer requests it. So you can imagine the uh, the stops and frisks that would be taking place uh, against the, uh, what is this group called, the, the Self-Defense Brigade, uh, if indeed they take to the streets of Hartford. So I think that some harassment of these gun owners will be in store if uh, this comes to fruition. Apparently, the uh, group is uh, planning on attending a September 2nd meeting uh, with members of the public to try to gauge their reaction to the idea. I I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not adverse to the idea in theory. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how much good it's going to do, uh, unfortunately. But if it makes people feel safer in their communities, if it puts the violent predators on notice that, hey, you know what, in this neighborhood, there are people who are going to fight back if you target them for armed robberies or a home invasion or a carjacking, uh, then I think that it could have an impact. Honestly, though, I think what would make the biggest difference is for the state of Connecticut to quit treating law-abiding gun owners as if they're violent criminals and to actually get serious about Violent repeat offenders. You know, uh, Mayor Bronin uh, kind of mentioned something like this when he talked about these series of very different acts of violence, right? A specific group of very reckless and dangerous individuals that were working hard with law enforcement. Again, a lot of these crimes are driven by a very small number of individuals in any given community. But for gun control advocates, the answer is to cast this wide net of criminality over everybody, right? Lawful gun owners, illicit gun owners, all the same. And to crack down primarily on those lawful gun owners in the hopes that there'll be some sort of trickle-down effect on violent criminals. Well, again, that doesn't work that well. So, respecting the right of the people to keep and bear arms, primarily, but not exclusively, for self-defense, that would be a good first step for Connecticut. 
Uh, but so, too, would be, once again, putting the focus on the actual perpetrators of violence rather than trying to negate or prohibit our fundamental right to self-defense. We'll keep our eyes on uh, what's going on in Hartford. I might actually reach out to uh, this community activist, Cornell Lewis, and see if he'll come on the show to talk about his plan. Uh, I'll do that today, as a matter of fact, see if we can get him on the show one day next week. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll actually start with a story from Connecticut. Here's the uh, headline, Cop Critically Wounded by Hammer-Wielding Animal with 30 Priors Who Should Have Never Been Out. That, according to the uh, local police officers' union. And again, you know, when you look at the issue of violence as a matter of getting rid of the guns, as opposed to dealing with the individuals, I think it takes you down the wrong road. Does it really matter? Is it better somehow that the uh, individual who's accused of uh, assaulting this police officer uh, wounded him with a hammer as opposed to a firearm? I don't think so. I think the fact that this guy was out, despite the lengthy criminal history, uh, is what's really important here, not the weapon of choice. And again, if we're going to go after the weapon of choice, should we start banning hammers? Seems kind of dumb. But in Connecticut, that's kind of what they're doing. Not banning hammers, but again, focusing exclusively on firearms as opposed to the individuals who are committing these acts of violence. Winston Tate uh, is accused of ambushing a Connecticut police officer with a hammer. He was out on probation at the time for assaulting another officer, and he had at least 30 priors, according to court records, including a third attack on a police officer, as well as 14 different convictions over the past six years. Right now, uh, Tate is behind bars at the Garner Correctional Institute in Connecticut, held on more than $1 million bail for charges that stem from the August 12th attack on Middletown Police Detective Carly Travis. Uh, body camera footage captured the assault during which Tate ignored Travis's instructions to please drop his weapon, wrestled her to the ground, struck her at least four times with a hammer. Travis shot Tate several times as they fought, but according to Tate's arrest warrant, the assault only stopped once a bystander shouted, hey, F-face, which distracted the attacker long enough for Travis to get out from underneath him. Nick Pororo, who is the uh, police union president in Middletown, told Fox News Digital that the attack was, quote, tangible proof of the problem. There is that shouldn't take a female officer almost being murdered on national TV to fix. He said a guy like this who has 30 prior arrests, who's attacked officers, never should have been out again. He's proven that he's not a functioning member of society and he deserves to be locked up in a cage like the animal that he is. Perot says in the past month, uh, officers had been sent to Tate's house four different times for what he called a pattern of, quote, terrorizing his neighbors and a tenant. Smashing glasses, yelling on his porch, shouting uh, racial slurs. He was on probation for assaulting another police officer in October of 2020 at the time of this most recent attack. Initially sentenced to three years in prison, but that sentence was suspended in lieu of probation. In 2018, two years prior, he was sentenced in a uh, court in New Britain, Connecticut, to a year in prison for attempting to assault another police officer. According to Fox News Digital, court filings of both of these incidents have been, quote, disposed of, uh, according to the Connecticut State Judicial Branch, and could not be retrieved at press time. So it's unclear whether or not he received probation or whether he actually served any prison time for that uh, prior assault in 2018. Since 2018, 
Tate has been arrested in eight different towns in Connecticut, convicted on 14 separate charges, and a criminal history that dates back all the way to 1996. But as Fox News Digital says, for most of these convictions, little, if any, jail time. Since 2003, according to incarceration records uh, shared with uh, the Connecticut Department of Corrections to Fox News Digital, Tate has spent 1,070 days behind bars, less than three years total, again, with a criminal history that stretches back to 1996, 14 convictions just over the past five years. Um, In April of 2018, he served six months of a two-year sentence for carrying a dangerous weapon, one of the gun control laws that are supposedly, you know, so, so, so desperately needed in Connecticut, right? Uh, same month, April of 2018, a court in New London, Connecticut, sent a state to three months for disorderly conduct, six months for second-degree breach of the peace, another for uh, another six-month sentence for second-degree threatening. But uh, Fox News Digital says it's unclear how much of that sentence he actually served in prison. He was sentenced to two years for a DUI, uh, served 120 days. Uh, so again, uh, th- uh, here's another one. Uh, three months of a three-year sentence handed down in March of this year. Yeah. And if he had served the entirety of that sentence, he would not have been out on the street where he allegedly assaulted the officer in question. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, residents in places like Hartford feel unsafe because guys like Tate are running around. And it doesn't matter how many times they're caught. Hell, it doesn't matter how many times they're convicted. Under the criminal justice system, they're getting that slap on the wrist. They're sent back out on the street. Meanwhile... You live in a neighborhood that's frequented by individuals like Mr. Tate, a number of uh, violent predators there on the street. The state wants to make it incredibly difficult for you to exercise your right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. From going through the litany of bureaucratic nonsense required to simply possess a firearm in your home, to the uh, list of prohibited locations where even lawful gun owners are not allowed to lawfully bear arms in self-defense, Lawmakers are doing everything they can to negate your right to protect yourself, while at the same time taking career criminals and, uh, again, giving them a kiss on the cheek before sending them on their way after nearly every arrest and conviction. Now, today's Armed Citizen story from Connecticut, uh, and a reminder that simply having a firearm, even using a firearm in self-defense, it's not a suit of armor. It, it doesn't automatically guarantee that you will be protected from harm. Uh, in this case, a woman who was the victim of a carjacking shot at her attacker, who shot back at her. And both the uh, suspect and the victim, in this case, uh, injured. Thankfully, the victim did not suffer life-threatening injuries. Authorities say the woman was filling up her car at a gas station in North Philadelphia Tuesday night corner of North 22nd and West Allegheny Avenue. It was around 10.30 in the evening. Guy walks up behind her, gets into a physical altercation with her, tends to take her car. Uh, That's uh, apparently put her in a bear hug at one point. That's when she pulled out a firearm, shot at the guy. He drew his gun, shot back. The woman was struck twice in the legs. The 22-year-old suspect shot in the back and leg. Uh, Both individuals taken to Temple University Hospital, both the last report listed as stable. Uh, The man being held uh, for uh, charges once he is released. Philadelphia Police Chief Inspector Scott Small says we have the 35-year-old victim's car still on the scene, the gas pump still in the gas tank. 
So that's part of our scene. It's an active investigation, but at this point, looks like the woman's not going to be facing any charges. Again, she was acting in self-defense after a guy tried to assault her there at a gas station. Again, thankfully, the injuries that she received, uh, not life-threatening. But again, just a reminder that if you think that simply carrying a firearm is going to guarantee that you walk away from any uh, violent encounter unscathed, that's not the case. Hopefully what it does, it gives you a fighting chance to survive. And it sounds like that was the case for this woman in Philadelphia. Finally today, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a very disturbing story out of Louisville, Kentucky, where police rescued a woman who had been chained to the floor of a home thanks to neighbors who heard the sounds of her scream, uh, or screaming, and uh, called 911. I'm I'm actually stunned that this story has not gotten more attention. This happened a week ago, last Wednesday, around 7 p.m. in Louisville. According to uh, ABC 11, neighbors heard a woman screaming for help. They called 911. When police got there to the scene, uh, they could hear yelling from the second story of a home there. They had to use a ladder to climb up to the second story window because all of the uh, nobody was answering the door. Uh, all of the uh, windows on the front floor or on the uh, first floor. Uh, were barred, so they couldn't get in that way. Body camera video released by police shows them entering the home, seeing the woman held with a restraint. They had to actually break the restraint with an axe. The um, officers asked, you know, do you know where the key is? And and the woman said, I'm sorry, he's got it on his keys. Now, the entire reason why the neighbors were able to hear this woman screaming for help is because she was able to kick the window out of the frame, which, again, allowed the neighbors to hear uh, her yelling for help. As police freed her, she uh, said, thank you so much. They used bolt cutters to free the woman from the chain. Two days after the woman was rescued, police arrested uh, 36-year-old Moises May. According to authorities, the woman and May share a child together. He's now facing several charges, including kidnapping and assault being held on a $100,000 cash bond, scheduled to appear in court on August 28th. And, you know, I'd like to think that that most people, upon hearing screams for help, would at least call 911, if not go to investigate themselves. So maybe these neighbors didn't do anything all that special. But if they hadn't done this, if they hadn't responded, picked up that phone uh, and called 911, Who knows what would have happened to this poor lady. So thankfully, again, she is free. Uh, Her alleged assailant is not. And uh, those neighbors in the right place at the right time to hear those cries for help did the right thing by responding and saving her life. Now, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. But uh, tomorrow, I know we've been talking to a lot of lawyers <laughs> lately on the program, but that's because there's so much legal stuff going on around the country. Uh, so we spoke with uh, Cody J. Wojewski from FPC's uh, Action Foundation on Tuesday's program. We're going to talk with uh, Chuck Michelle of the California Rifle and Pistol Association and the Second Amendment Law Center on tomorrow's program. We're going to talk more about Rahimi. The uh, government and a bunch of uh, gun control groups and other interested parties have submitted their amicus briefs to the Supreme Court, arguing that uh, Zaki Rahimi uh, should, in fact, be uh, uh, deprived of his ability to own a farm because of a, uh, a domestic violence restraining order. 
arguing that the civil restraining orders uh, do comport with the text, history, and tradition of the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, again, this is a, a difficult case, not necessarily in terms of the constitutional questions here, but in terms of the optics, right? When you've got a guy who uh, has been accused of a litany of violent crimes, um, but those crimes were not uh, what prevented him from uh, possessing a firearm. Again, Zachary Rahimi is not exactly the poster boy for the right to keep and bear arms. But the question at the heart of the Rahimi case isn't whether or not Zaki Rahimi should be able to own a gun. It's whether or not anybody and everybody should be denied the ability to own a firearm because of a civil restraining order. Uh, and unfortunately, these domestic violence restraining orders are issued to both parties uh, oftentimes in uh, divorce cases, you know, where there are allegations of abuse from one party to another. Should that be enough to stop somebody again, from exercising the right to keep their arms. That is at the heart of this question. We're going to talk about it with Chuck Michelle. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some news from uh, Judge Benitez's courtroom to discuss as well. There was a uh, interesting order uh, coming out of uh, Judge Benitez's courtroom on Tuesday. Uh, nothing particularly substantive. This was not a formal opinion. Um, however... It was uh, notification, uh, in essence, in a, a case called the Duncan versus Becerra, uh, that um, there may be some news coming. So hopefully, again, we'll have an update uh, on that on tomorrow's Cam and Company as well. But we have uh, a lot to talk about with Chuck Michelle in the meantime. So I'd encourage you to uh, check that out. If you missed the interview with uh, Cody Zanuski, uh, be sure you check that out as well on uh, YouTube, Rumble, or the major podcast platforms where you can find Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. But in the meantime, also be sure to check out BearingArms.com. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. And if you like what you see, why not become a VIP or VIP Gold member? All you have to do, go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. New stories and analysis that matter, just like your support. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe. And be free. Be free.